You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, on Sunday we began to look at the thing, the same faith that our fathers or the same faith of our fathers. Today we're going to continue on it a bit. And I trust that the Lord will see to it that the faith we have today will be the genuine one that was transmitted from ages ago in Jesus' name. The truth is that God does not work with counterfeits. God does not tolerate anything less than the original. And that is why our Lord Jesus Christ made sure he told the disciples, hold on. Don't go anywhere until you have the Holy Spirit who will endure you with the power to do this thing the way it is meant to be. Praise the Lord. And we have been assured by our Lord Jesus himself. He says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So I'm confident and I'm prayerful. That as we desire the genuine thing in this season, that the Lord will make it happen for us. Anything that was out of alignment, the Spirit of God will bring a correction, a realignment, you know, a revival in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So on Sunday, we reminded ourselves of this glorious heritage. I think for me, that is one of the most important things that I, I I would have taken from Sunday and I took from Sunday that like the text which we read, Hebrews 12, 1. It says, therefore we also. It means when the saints, the song that goes on says, when the saints go marching by. When the saints go marching by, it is possible that I'll be marching by his mercy and on my side will be Joseph marching. Can you believe that? Praise the Lord. It is possible that you'll be marching and David will be by your side. These are the people that we have the same faith with. Praise God. The Apostle Paul, all the things we've imagined about him, the Apostle Peter, the Apostle James, or not even to talk about Philip, okay, who flew without entering into an airplane. You see, these are the people that we have the same, very same faith with. Nothing lower, nothing less. If it is not like theirs, then it is not it. Praise the Lord. You know, they told us if it's not Panadol, it's not Panadol. If it is not like their faith, don't worry about what you're seeing now. The wind is going to blow all of that away. All these big men, you know, swagalicious, you know, men that you're seeing now. That's not the example. These are the things we are seeing now. Praise God. But he says, these men, these people who have run this race, recorded for us in Hebrews 11, a sample of them. He says in Hebrews 12, he says, we will be joined with this. In fact, the end of Hebrews 11 says, these ones, God has kept them from entering, from finishing perfectly, until we join with them. Praise the Lord. So for me, it is encouraging and it is strengthening to know that God thinks of me the same way he thinks of these people of old. 
He thinks of me the same way he thinks of the apostle John, of James, you know, John, and the rest of the apostles. He's not saying, I live in Nigeria, this is 2020. Oh, you know, things have passed and different things. And he's lowering the standard. No, why? Because the same spirit that was given to them is the same spirit that he has given to me. Is that the same spirit you have as well? If it's the same spirit, then why are you keeping your head low? In fact, in Acts 11, we can start with that this evening. Acts 11, 15, we find Peter where he was trying to defend his ministry to the Gentiles. Acts eleven fifteen. okay? He was trying to defend his ministry to the Gentiles when he returned to Jerusalem. This is what he told them. He says, and as I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them as upon us at the beginning. 16, please. Then I remember the word of the Lord, how he said, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus, who was I that I could withstand God? Can you see the same principle there? Peter is saying the Holy Spirit is the mark that it is the same thing. It doesn't matter whether it is Gentiles or Jews, whether it is barbarians or, you know, enlightened. Once the Holy Spirit is there, heaven is saying, this is the authentic faith. And the same thing that is of them is of you as well. And I believe that your faith is rising in the name of Jesus Christ. So we saw that we have a glorious heritage. And having seen that, I began to look at my life to see that the time I live in, I may not fully comprehend all that heaven has committed into my hands. I can't really measure it. Because I don't think Joseph knew everything that we know about him in the time he was making the journey. It was towards the end when he now saw his brothers come. And he began to say, oh, this was what this thing was about. And then that's how he could say to the brothers, you intended it for evil for me. But God did what? God meant it for good. And he did that to preserve for himself a posterity. All of a sudden, Joseph saw that his battle against Potiphar's wife, refusing you know, to compromise, his suffering in prison and all of that, was not about Joseph Feinboy. It was about the destiny of a nation. And I pray that somebody listening to me will begin to comprehend. It is not just about virginity. It's about a destiny. Praise the Lord. You see, recently, I, I think I mentioned it in church, uh, some unfortunate in, in thing I read. Well, it happens in the world. But somewhere in our Nigeria, um, a particular community had to get the help of some witches and native doctors to help them fight bandits. Because the Nigerian army and the Nigerian police and the rest of them had been failing them over and over. It was in the news, I believe most of us may, may have seen it, in Niger State. And they said that the particular woman who led the attack against this bandit was an old woman, probably in her 70s or 80s. And the charge she went with, you know, in this particular situation, was led by some virgin boys. Now, if the devil would walk his walk with virgin boys, is somebody getting what I'm saying? then why don't you begin to see that it is not about peer pressure. It is not about being a big boy or being a big guy or being a big chick. 
The devil wants to eliminate you from the number of those that God can use to do what he wants to do. Somebody say, I will not be foolish. If you're a young person, you're listening to me. Hold on to your virginity. There are many things that are at stake. And you can imagine what may have happened if Joseph compromised. The story will be all different. So these are the things we'll learn. We learn when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to compromise in Babylon. God was looking at it that this big nation, this you know, country or this nation that was in charge of the whole world, that their king will come to know about him. And he was depending on these boys. And if these boys had gotten there and got carried away with the wine and the chicken and the delicacies of the king, God would have no option but to wait for another generation. Somebody say, my generation will fulfill the purpose of God in the name of Jesus. And that person will be you because you are in this generation. And for you and I, even in Nigeria today, as we're talking about these things, I want you to be very sensitive. And I pray that you and I are not too carried away with the COVID-19 pandemic. Just before this whole thing blew out and you know, came to Nigeria, remember the service we had. And it's about God intervening in our nation, Nigeria. We need divine intervention in Nigeria at this time. Not about COVID-19 pandemic. God's mercy has already been upon us concerning this pandemic. I hope you know that already. Somehow God has restrained. It is not what they imagine. It's not what who imagine. It's not what people imagine that is happening. God has shielded us so that this invisible scourge will not destroy the people of Nigeria and indeed Africa. However, we have destruction being carried out by men and women that are visible. And unfortunately, our government is not doing much about it. Then the one that you should pray about if you've not you began to pray about it, is the way that taking loans. Since this COVID-19, it's as though while COVID-19 pandemic is happening, they are doing loan pandemic. The way your government is taking loans now, I was imagining, I asked my wife, do they want to run away? Because, you see, we say, when you take Wese, any normal human being that takes Wese, it affects your sleep. Because you will pay someday. If you don't pay today, you'll pay tomorrow. The way the federal government is taking loans now is scary. It makes you imagine, do they want to run away from Nigeria at some point and leave us and our children to pay this debt? So there are many issues. Now, these issues cannot be solved except by the children of the righteous. Except by the righteous. Now, if the righteous are not standing, if the righteous are not doing what they ought to do, then there will be no hope. Is somebody understanding what I'm saying? What I'm just trying to say is that there is so much at stake that you must not allow you, listening to me, to be eliminated. You must make sure that you are suitable and you are available so that when God wants to use you to solve the problem of our time and our generation, you will be available in the name of Jesus and you will be qualified in Jesus' name. So we have a glorious heritage. We have men and women that God has used to save nations, to save peoples, to save families, you know, to maintain a beautiful heritage. And today we are here on this journey and God wants to say, I am still in the business. Remember, Lord Jesus Christ said to us, you have not chosen me, but what? I have what? 
chosen you and I have what? Ordained you that you will bear fruit. Heaven is saying you are an ordained boy. You are an ordained girl. You are an ordained husband. You are an ordained wife. Your marriage is not just a marriage because you're in love. Your marriage is supposed to be a witness to principalities and powers that as you are faithful to this woman, that that is how Christ is faithful to the church. Isn't that what the Bible says? And for the woman also, your marriage is a a witness also that you will submit to this man the way the church submits to Christ. So there is so much, so much, so much at stake. Praise the Lord. So in Isaiah 51 verse 1, the Bible encourages us. It says, Listen to me, you who follow after righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Message says, Listen to me, all you who are, I'm reading Isaiah 51 1. Listen to me, all you who are serious about right living, all who are serious about right living and committed to seeking God. What did he say? He said, Ponder, ponder the rock from which you were caught. And the query from which you were dogged. You see, if you want to make this journey successfully, you need to look at where you're coming from. So that nobody can deceive you. Nobody can get you and open the Bible and, you know, quote some, pick some verses here and there and tell you that it doesn't matter this and this and that. No. He said, look to the rock from which one you were hewn. And in 2 Timothy 1 verse 5, we saw that on Sunday, where the apostle uh, Paul was saying to Timothy, It says, I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which was also in your grandmother Lois. You see, he's saying to Timothy, what you have didn't begin with you. It started long before you came on the scene. And you have a responsibility to hold on to it and make sure you preserve the integrity of the message. So sometimes, please, when you see me besides myself and as though I want to pull my head, you know, preaching this thing, it's because I look at the Bible and I see what the Word of God says. And then I look around and I see what many people are saying. You know, I, I don't know which Bible somebody will read today, and I, like I keep emphasizing, and tell you that once saved is always saved. Even our Lord Jesus Christ says, if the branch, if the branch that I'm the vine and you are the branches, he says, if the branch does not remain in me, he says, it will be what? Thrown out. You see, these things are very clear. It says, he that endures to the end shall be what? Saved. How? Endures, not enjoys. Endures means there will be temptations. There will be things that want to push you out. So it's not a joke. When people begin to make you imagine, like we saw, let's even look at it immediately. Jude verse 3. You see that it's not a joke. So I'm ready to fight. I'm ready to tear my clothes about this. Why? Because an assignment has been committed. Somebody passed this genuine thing to me. And I trust that by the mercy of God, you will be faithful men and women who will receive these things and also be able to do what? To pass it to others in Jesus' name. Jude verse 3 says, Dear friend, he says, I've dropped everything to write you about this life of salvation that we have in common. Exactly what we're saying now. I've dropped everything to write to you about this life of salvation that we have in common. He says, I have to write insisting, begging that you do what? You fight with everything you have in you for what? This faith, this faith entrusted to us as a gift. He says, fight with what? 
everything you have in you. I didn't know that was there when I was saying I was ready to fight. Fight with everything that you have in you for this faith entrusted to us as a gift to God and cherish. Now, verse 4, please. Verse 4 says, what happened is that some people have infiltrated our ranks. Our scriptures warned us this would happen. It says, who beneath their pious skin are shameless scoundrels. Their design is to replace the sheer grace of our God with sheer license. This is what their intent is. They want to replace grace with license. So that they tell you grace encourages and accommodates sin and iniquity. No, it is license that accommodates that. It says, our one and only master. The next verse, please. It says, I'm laying this out. Look at what it says. I'm laying this out as clearly as I can. Even though you once knew it, and I'm sure you're not hearing anything new. Even though you once knew all this well enough and shouldn't need reminding. Here it is in brief. The master saved a people out of the land of Egypt. Later, what did he do? He destroyed those who defected. That will not be your portion at all in the name of Jesus. Because you remain steadfast in the name of Jesus. So when we come to Hebrews 12, and the Bible begins to say to us, Therefore we also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. This is what he's saying. He's saying we also simply means no exemptions. We are in this thing together. Praise the Lord. And he says we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Message says we have pioneers and veterans cheering us on. I like that word, veterans. It means that there are men that have fought this battle that we are fighting. In fact, recently I've been studying the book of Jeremiah. And if you're a preacher and you're listening to me, you're at the point of being discouraged because you imagine that the gospel you're preaching, people are not responding to it. Go and read Jeremiah. When you read Jeremiah, you know that you're having party. It's fried rice, you're eating. Because Jeremiah preached, preached until he said to God, you have deceived me. He said to God, he, he, that was when he said, your word is like fire shut up in my bones. What he was saying was that I don't want to preach it. But when I come, the thing will be bubbling out. Jeremiah was preaching to the people who didn't want to hear. Who did not care about what he was saying. And then there were false prophets that were getting more popular by the day. Whereas Jeremiah was becoming less popular and more hated by the day. Whereas he was the true prophet. There were men like Hananiah that would get him and break the yoke that God told him to put. And you know, harass him and all kinds of things. So when you read these things and you see that your own is like Nigerians who say a camel case. Then you can just relax and cross your leg and know that you have seen nothing yet. Praise the Lord. It says we have pioneers and veterans that are cheering us on. They are cheering us on. It says it means we had better get on with it. Strip down, start running, and never quit. No spiritual fad, no parasitic sins. Praise the Lord. He goes on verse 2, please. Verse 2 says, keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race. I want to point out something there, very important, so I don't miss it. Notice, he says, we are surrounded by these veterans and pioneers. But he didn't say keep your eyes on any of them. Because none of them is perfect. None of them are perfect. They are not perfect. 
But the truth is this, they have been able to make it. Just the same way we learned a few weeks ago. It says with men, this is what? Impossible. But not with God. For what? With God, how many things? All things are possible. So these men made it. Albeit not perfect, they made it. And the same way you watching and listening to me, you're not perfect, but the same way this man made it, what's going to happen? You are also going to make it. But we are not to keep our eyes on them. We are to keep our eyes on Jesus. He is the captain. In every team, everybody looks at the captain because he determines the direction of the game and the way he wants it to be played. Why? He's the best amongst them. If you look at a man, if you look at any other person, even your preacher, no matter how you think about him, the devil can trip you on him because he can show you something there that you might not be able to handle. And that's why they were told, or we are told here, to keep our eyes on Jesus, who both began and did what? And finished this race we are in. Somebody say amen. You will finish in the name of Jesus. You have already begun, you will finish. Now the next slide says, study. Study how he what? Did it. Study how he did it. Study how he did it. That is why we read the Bible. We come to the Bible to study how it was done. So that what? We can also do our own. Praise the Lord. You say he never, look at how he did it. They started giving us an insight, which is what we're going to learn today. He said, because he never what? Lost sight of where he was headed. So one key, how Jesus did it, is that he never lost sight. Is it a wonder that people want you to forget about heaven? When you lose this focus of heaven, when you stop seeing heaven, you can't make it. I've said it here, it might sound boring. If you don't see hell behind you and heaven before you, it's going to be a difficult race for you. Nobody running a race does not know where the finish line is. It will be called disorientation. If you're running a race, you're playing football. That's why in boxing, you notice in boxing, you know what the referee does? At a point, he comes in front and puts how many fingers? Three or two or whatever. He asks the boxer, no matter how he's flexing, he says, how many? If the man cannot see what is in front of him. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because the, the next thing, if care is not taken, he will point the referee thinking it's his opponent. So, it's disorientation. If you're not seeing, it says he had his sight world where he was headed. Where was he heading to? He was heading to the throne, the right-hand side of God. So, everything that was happening here was not his focus. That's how come he could say to Pilate, my kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, I would have commanded and my servants would have risen and what? And fought for me. So he goes on and he says, he never lost sight. He says that accelerating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way. What were the things he put up with? He put the cross. Hallelujah. And remember when we talk about the cross, remember that our Lord Jesus has gone to his cross. And by that cross, we have been redeemed. But he now says to us, if any man will follow me, let him do what? Deny himself and take up his own cross. Listen to me. Jesus has carried his cross. And by his cross, I and you have been saved. 
But for us to be his disciples, he said, deny yourselves and take up your cross. Jesus Christ's cross is my salvation. It's my sonship. He has given me the right, like Pastor Lord taught us, the right to become. It's a privilege. It's an admission. It's like when they issue you a letter, one of our brothers has been admitted to MIT, you know, and it's a wonderful privilege to have such an admission. But when you have that admission, it does not award you the master's or the doctorate. You now need to get in there and do what? And supply the minimum requirements. Isn't it the way it happens? So that is what he's saying here. You must take up your own cross. Deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow me every day. Unless you do that, the cross that he bore for you, you won't enter into the benefit of it. God will give us grace in Jesus' name. So he talks about the cross, the shame, and then whatever. Because somebody might say, Pastor, my own is no cross. My own is no shame. The Bible says, whatever it is, so you should do what? You should follow on this journey. Why? It says there is a place of honor. And now it says he's there. Somebody say, I will get there. He says, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God. You know, recently we marked uh, 53 years of the Biafran War. Amiibo, for those who may not know, okay, but I've been redeemed from every tribe and tongue. Let me tell you a bit of the secret of the Igbo people. The Igbo people have a way of refusing to indulge before they become, you know, so comfortable. So you can see an evil man, he's wearing shorts, he's jumping balls, and he's doing all of that. The man is building a house in his village. You see, when you see him, you can insult him, he will run around and do all of that. But what he does is that he has his mind set on December. That December he has on his mind, he can go through anything now. And as he goes to that December, he sees his mates, he goes back to the city... And he pays the price again for another. So it's like a man who is pressing forward, denying himself daily. Now, the truth is this, that they learn this principle from scripture. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, he says, and now on, he's there in the place of honor. So when they came, they tried to make him king. He said, I know I'm a king and I want to be king. That's why I came. I came so that I was, you know, conquer. He says, all authority in heaven and on earth. But that's not, it's not this kingdom that I want. The kingdom I want is the kingdom of what? All things that are above, all things that are beneath and what? All things that are on earth. He says, therefore God has what? Given him the name that is above every other name. He didn't want a kingdom that another name will be higher than. So this is the understanding that our Lord Jesus begins to put for us here. He says we look to him and we run this race and we see where he is now. Seated at the right hand of God in the place of honor. Praise God. We in our own race, as we look to him, we look at this first. They said pioneers are cheering us on. Now, I think it was a few weeks ago we said... You need to tune your ears to hear from the Spirit. The truth is that there are so many voices that are speaking. Just like I said, when I began to read the book of Jeremiah, I got so encouraged. Are you a believer now? And everything you're hearing is discouraging you. You're not married. You don't have this. You don't have that. You have not arrived. You know, you belong to your old school. 
maybe university or secondary school group, and you hear them calling big things, and you have not entered the league of big things and all of that, it's because you're hearing the wrong voices. When you tune to the voice of God, you will hear God telling you, you are my beloved son, in whom I'm well pleased. You don't need a G-wagon. You don't need a three-story building. You don't need to be a doctor. I went for one of my old school reunions, you know, many years ago. And I realized that people I was playing football with and people, you know, young girls that I was talking with, all of them were professors. Thank God, I, at least I went to a little bit of school. But it could be intimidating. You know, you see just one church, church, church person is running around, professor this, professor that, professor that. It can be harassing. But you see, no matter who and where you are, if you tune your ears to what your father is saying, he's saying, I love you. He's saying, I'm pleased with you. And he's saying, I can walk with where you are. So there'll be no need for depression. You're depressed because you're hearing somebody's measure of you who didn't create your destiny. You see, somebody ordained your life's path. The songwriter says, he who orchestrated my life's journey. There's somebody who planned out your life's journey. If you can listen to the mechanic of care while you're driving a Rolls Royce, they're going to tell you your Rolls Royce is not working because he was not trained to understand Rolls Royce. Is somebody hearing me today? Praise the Lord. So, so, so this is what the Bible is saying. It says, let us run this race. Okay? It goes on and says, with endurance. Let us run the race with endurance. And I like that part where it says, the race that is set before us. This is another point we need to touch on as we go on. There is a race that is being set before me. The race that I'm running is, even though it's the same faith, it's a bit different from the race that you're running. Somebody might be given the race to run in this situation. The race of a multi-billionaire. The temptations are completely different. You know, the things that the expectations are completely different. That's your race. I'm running my race. My own race may be the race of contentment in the little cottage where I'm living. And God is looking at me and is pleased with me. He's not expecting me to transcend. That is why we have to be careful with motivational speakers. I don't know if you've seen the picture. I think it's some cartoon about a, a man that was trying to use an Okada to pull a trailer. And the person wrote and said, this is what happens when you listen too much to motivational speakers. They remove you from your calling. And you now want to go and fulfill another person's calling. I beg, if trailer is broken down, let them get bigger truck, isn't it? With your cadre, you can be moving tomato and uh, pineapple and other things. He says, let us run with endurance. The race that is set before us. Everybody has his race. Praise the Lord. Everybody has his race. It goes on and on. Verse 2 of Hebrews 12. I need you to see the way... The Amplified Version puts it. The first thing the Amplified Version says is looking away. Looking away from all that will distract us. Looking away. When I saw that, I said, thank you, Holy Spirit. Looking away from all. So when we say looking unto Jesus, you and I must remind ourselves that while we're trying to look unto Jesus, there are things that are trying to catch our attention. And these things are catching our attention to do what? To distract us from seeing Jesus. The truth is this, if the believer can keep seeing Jesus. It was our Easter celebration about a few weeks back. And I encourage us to watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. So that we can see our Lord Jesus and the price that he paid for this faith that we have. 
Okay, if the believer can constantly have him before his eyes, I don't think anything will succeed in distracting you or discouraging you. But he said the enemy knows that if you see Jesus, if you have him before you, you will not be distracted. So what does he do? He raises pictures. He raises scenarios. And that's what the Amplified Version tried to say to us here. He said, looking away from all that will distract. So we need to consciously take our eyes away. And that's part of what I mentioned on Sunday. And I mentioned it today, even though I'm a preacher. Please look away from the preachers. Look away from what is being presented. We are now in the time where, you know, the average preacher is in a league of an entertainment personality. You know, on, there's on air personality there. You know, uh, what was it? Celebrity. That's why for those who know here, I wish I wouldn't have a page. I wish I don't have anything. Let it just be the father's church. The same way when you read any literature from the Catholic church, you don't see the name of the vicar. You just see the Catholic church, isn't it? That's what I would wish, so that I would never be in the picture. Let Jesus alone be the one that is in the picture, and his church. Because the temptation, that celebrity status temptation. You see, the Bible says, let us be careful about giving someone a position. I, I think it was Timothy. He said, lest he fall into the same temptation as who? The devil. What happened with the devil was that the devil became a celebrity in heaven. You see, he was the biggest guy found in heaven. But he forgot that he was a creature. Let me use the word, not creation. He was a creature. God the creator was there. And as people hailed him and as he did whatever he did, whether his music or whatever, he imagined that all of a sudden he could arise and sit in the same seat as God. Unfortunately, many men in today's world are sitting in the same seat as God. You see them, the way people treat them, and the way they soak in all the worship and all the honor. And you can see that these people are being set up for destruction. Because you see, the Bible is very clear. It says God will do what? Resist the proud. But he will do what? Give grace to the humble. So anytime you allow yourself to be pumped up, knowingly or unknowingly, what you're doing is that you're calling for a challenge. Just like the way I am, I told you here many years ago, as a young student, I think I was still in secondary school, the day I realized that if I went into boxing, I'll be fighting with Tyson. I took my exercises more seriously because I saw that I won't be in lightweight, I won't be in welterweight, I won't be in featherweight, I'll be in heavyweight division. So I saw that this thing is not a joke. The same way when they pump you up and pump you up and pump you up, you get to the point when it gets time to fight, God will say, go and fight now, we're on the same league. But you see, I don't want to fight my fight, praise the Lord. I want God to fight my battles for me. Why? Because I'm a child of God. He is my father, I'm his word. And we are the children of the father in the father's church, isn't it? So it's important we understand all of that. It says looking away. Looking away from all those things. Don't look at them. They are not your calling. Look to Jesus. Keep your eyes focused on him. And what is it we find about Jesus? What does the Bible begin to say to us about Jesus? Is that the Bible tells us about the mind of Jesus. In Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, the Bible says, Let this mind be in you. Let this mind be in you. Which was also what? In Christ Jesus. Let this mind, let's take time and look at this mind. It's a passage many of us know. Let this mind be in which was also in Christ Jesus. 
He say, he says, Jesus was what? He said, who being in the form of God did not consider robbery to be what? Equal with God. Now look at this here. You see, we, we are in a time where you listen to some people and there's nothing wrong with that. You see, we have been called friends of God. We have been called children of God. We have been called sons of God. God has elevated us. We have been translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. Praise the Lord. It's a marvelous place that we are in. We are a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. We have been called forth out of darkness what, into the kingdom of his Marvelous light to show forth his praises and all of that. But look at what verse 6 says of Jesus. He says, who being in the form, he was not transferred. That is who he was. Who being in the form of God did not consider what? Robbery to be equal with God, but made himself. Made himself of what? No reputation, taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. Some of us, as born-again Christians, there are some things God requires of us that we would never agree because it can never be our portion. It cannot. Don't you know who I am? I know who God says I am. I'm royalty. I'm all of that. Isn't that? Jesus was all of that, yet he was born in a manger. Jesus was all of that, yet he said to John the Baptist, a man he created. He said, permit it to be so for what? For thus it is fitting to do what? To fulfill all righteousness. He was God, but he yet submitted to the doctrine of baptism. Why? Because it was necessary so that his ministry would have no comma. Is somebody getting what I'm saying? He said, this is his mind. So anywhere Jesus came into, whatever was necessary, he did not think himself too high. He did not think himself too holy. He was God. He had the privilege. The angels trembled. In fact, the angels don't just tremble. They don't approach him. Because the Bible says he dwells in light unapproachable. But this same Jesus humbled himself to this point, And when he was found, he made himself of no reputation. Be careful the way you seek a reputation for yourself. The one who had it made himself of none. One of the things you're going to learn as we continue is that the Christian has come to understand something. Whatever it is that concerns me, it is better God does it for me. You know why we're children. We learned here about the Pacos and their Jebotas. The Pacos fend for themselves. Their Jebotas, what happened? Their parents do what? Do it for them. When you become a born-again Christian, you become God's ajebota. And you trust God and God works it. That song that says we go to worship our God and what will happen? He go to do them for us. That's what it is. He said he made himself of no reputation and he took the form of a bond servant coming in the likeness of men. Verse 8 says, being found in appearance as a man, what did he do again? He humbled himself. Can you see what he's still doing? He's humbling himself. What this statement says to me is that it's possible when Jesus, when our Lord Jesus found himself in appearance as a man, he could have been a very high man. And nobody will fault him in it. Nobody will fault him. He was king. I mean, even the demons were saying, you deserve our worship. I hope you know that. Everywhere he appeared, they were not resisting him. They were bound. They said, go. 
But him being found as a man, what did he do? He humbled himself. He humbled himself. So what are we learning here? What is the mind of Christ? The mind of Christ is humility, humility, and what? Humility. We can never be humble enough. And if people, for some reason, maybe you're gifted intellectually, or maybe you have been gifted with, you know, worldly wealth, be careful the way people treat you so that they don't exalt you beyond measure. Praise the Lord, somebody. It's very important we learn this thing. He humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now, look at verse 9. It says, therefore, this is what we're trying to say then. Therefore, God has what? Highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every name should bow. Of those in heaven, of those on earth, and of those under the earth. This is what God does. Listen, God is the God of justice. God is the God of all justice. Now, there is nothing that is rightfully yours that the living God will permit to be kept from you ultimately. But if you try to struggle for it, you lose the very right or claim over that thing. God has great heights he wants to lift you to. But you see, the principle is this. Let God do it for you. Let God be the one doing the lifting. That is what we see. That is the mind of Christ. It's therefore, God has what? Also highly exalted him. And this fits in with what we looked at in Hebrews 12. It was not immediately. Do you know that at the time Jesus died, even the arm robber on his side was saying, look at you. We thought you were better than this. Everybody around was calling him a failure. So it doesn't matter what people call you on your journey. Like we said, somebody has orchestrated your journey. Let him finish the story. In the name of Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. So this is what it is. Verse 12 of this Philippians 2. It says, therefore, my beloved brethren. You see, because of this mind, what does it say to us? As you have always obeyed. What is all this thing we are seeing with Jesus? Jesus was the only person who walked on earth who had the right to do his own thing. But we see him here not doing his own thing. He says, therefore, my beloved, what is happening? As you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence. He said, walk out your own word. Salvation with fear and trembling. What is he saying? He said, look at Jesus. He's the son of God. It's like those days in school. I don't know if you went to school and you had some of the teachers, children, you know, as your classmates. And then the right names of those noisemakers or those who jump the fence. And then the teacher brings his son first. And gives him some solid lashes on his bum bum. You now know that your own case now what? <laughs> Because if this teacher beats the son like this, it says, therefore, my beloved brethren, if this is how Jesus did it, he said, what should I do? He said, work out your own work. Salvation with fear and trembling. So we are seeing the mind of Christ. Look at 1 Peter. Come with me to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, please. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. And we also see what happens there. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1, The the Bible begins to say to us the same thing here. It says, therefore, since Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, what does it say? Arm yourselves also with the same mind 
some time ago, I think I, I was led to preach a message, armed mind. It says, arm yourself also with the same mind. For he who has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It says, therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, it says, arm yourself. It means that there is a way your thinking will be. You will be armed. Many of us, I know you've watched a lot of movies this time around. Do you see those movies when they catch those uh, secret agents and they start interrogating them? There was one I was watching. I can't remember which one. I think Fast and Furious, one of that latest one, you know, whatever. And they were going to put electric shock, whatever, some high, you know, current. They were going to pass it through this man. And he said it was, you've seen the movie, have you? I can't remember exactly what happened. But he said he was going to do it for three minutes or something. And the guy laughed and said, do five minutes. It's an armed mind. Are you getting it? He said, they've been trained to know that this thing you're getting involved in, they could catch you. Now, when they catch you, if you cry, tears and say, I beg, I'm sorry. I'm a mistake. I do. I enter here by mistake. You see, they've known that if you finish crying and give divulge information, they will kill you. So these men have been trained to arm themselves to take whatever that is coming. And that is what we are learning here. He said, arm yourself with a mind if it's suffering. Do you know why Nigeria is where it is? Because the Christians in Nigeria are not armed with a mind to suffer. They have heard the uh, prosperity gospel. And people are walking about saying, it's not my portion. I will never be poor. What do you mean by you'll never be poor? Who are you? Who, 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 are, who are you that you can never be poor? What you're saying, you're announcing to the devil that if this temptation has to do with my bread and butter, I have fallen already because I'll be ready to compromise so that I will never be poor. Let the one who sent you see to it that you're never poor. But that is not a confession you're going to make because the Apostle Paul teaching us says, I've learned in all states to abound and to abase. That is the way. He says, I can do all things well through Christ who strengthens me. When you declare such a stand, they know that there is a promotion to director level. But you will not compromise. If they want to leave you as a principal officer for the next 25 years, so you will sit down with them there. But what it means is that by the anointing of the Holy Ghost, you can be a principal officer in that office and be controlling the entire office on your knees. Because, let me, you know, pray myself. Because the Bible says... The effectual, James 5 verse 17. The effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man. What does he do? It avails much. And that is what we are missing. The power of the faith you and I belong to. is spiritual. It's spiritual. You see, unfortunately we live in a time where the church has the same recourse to physical means. Just as the neighbor on both sides who don't believe in God. It's unfortunate. And that's why there's a lot of insult coming to us in this time. That's why they're deciding whether to open us or close us. As if we're kindergarten. If this is the way it was meant to be, they would never have closed us in the first place. Because the story would have gone round that there are people upon whose bodies this virus has no power. And let me tell you something. Such people are still there even today. They may not be majority, but they're still there. Why? Because this faith works from the inside to the outside. But if your faith has come to the level where everything the world agrees to, you agree to, then you have to need everything they need. Praise the Lord, somebody. 
you see, the faith we have is a faith that tells us that if you drink any deadly thing, because Christ is in you, it shall what? By no means harm you. The faith says if you lay hands on the sick, what will happen? They will recover. This is what we believe. This is what the authentic faith is about. But when also I have not submitted to the processes, that scripture says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man. That word righteous is a man standing right with God. The message says in verse 16, it says, Make this your common practice. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you can live together whole and healed. Now, it says the prayer of a person, what? Living right with God. That is what it is. It's not the volume of the prayer. Now, this may be a bit controversial. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter the time of day which you pray. If you like, wake up by 12, be naked, and put your head on top of your leg and pray. That's your 12 midnight. It's 12 noon somewhere. God does not live on earth. There is nothing spiritual about your time of prayer. The most spiritual thing about prayer, listen to me, is your life. You see, prayer is about transmitting. There are some transmitters that don't have the code to access heaven. It doesn't matter the time. It doesn't matter the day. It doesn't matter. That's why the Bible says that God wants men to pray where? Everywhere, lifting up holy hands. Every time and everywhere. Some people take pictures of themselves in the mountain. Anybody you see doing that is fraudulent. Once you see that mountain picture, don't wait a minute again. You see, there are very simple things that have been given to us to discern and to know what we are doing here. Anybody that comes to tell you a particular time of day is more effective. It's into witchcraft. It is witches that need to operate with opening. Children of God, we are sons of liberty. Praise the Lord. Christ has set us free. We have access it was the high priest that had to go into the temple once a year. They opened his sneak seat. But under this new covenant, a new and living way has been what? Consecrated to us. So we have access morning, afternoon, and night. Do not condemn yourself if you're not able to pray between 3 a.m. and all those things are commandments and imaginations of the flesh. If you are telling a lie, it affects your prayer. If you're living a lie, it affects your prayer. It's not the time that affects it. If you have unforgiveness, it affects your prayer. Those are the things that affect your prayer. It's not the time on the clock. You say it's 12, what time is it now? It's 7 p.m. Where, where do you live? It depends on where you live. Ordinary CNN will give you time. This is Buenos Aires. This is New York. This is uh, Singapore. This is. So why is it spiritually that you think God will be waiting for your 12 midnight? Praise the Lord, somebody. So all those things are things, and even the new month, don't do all those things. They are a waste of time. Live a righteous life. I don't respond to happy new month. What is happy about the new month? In him we live and move and do and have our being. There is no shifting of months. God is unfolding things. Did you see Jesus announce a new month? Did you see him announce a new year? He was living the life. All he said to us is that the prince of this world comes and what? And finds nothing. You see, these are the things that make us dissipate energy. Only one thing is needful. Live right with God. Righteousness. Peace and what? Joy. That's the kingdom of God. Don't get yourself into things. You're cramming some names. They say this is the Hebrew word. This is the Latin word. The demon in your village, does he know Latin? You don't need Latin to fight it. You need purity. So there is an armed mind, praise the Lord. 
First Peter 4, there's an arm. Um, it's, it's a mind that says, let me tell you, this is what a preacher will come and say, I will preach the message God says to preach. If nobody comes back to church, I don't care. It's an armed mind. But the moment you're doing anything you're doing, looking to what people, how they will respond, you have been disarmed. You can't stand. And the truth is that people will turn away. People will call you all kinds of things. They will say you preach judgmental messages. Now, I was listening to someone recently. If those who want, you know, Dr. Michael's room, you can go and Google him and listen to him. He's such an encouragement to me also. You know, and he was saying something. I think it was a lot. He said, do you know the judge in court doesn't judge you? You know what judges you even in court? It's the law. It's the constitution. The judge cannot, cannot form something. It's the word of God. So if you see the message you're hearing is judgmental, it means the word is judging you. It's the word. Jesus says, I don't judge anybody. It's the word. What am I trying to say? You, you need to arm yourself as a child of God. You know, some people will call you all kinds of names, will call you slow, will call you this, will call you that. Don't let that distract you. Why? The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2.16, it says, you know, in essence, it says, we have the mind of Christ. He said, who has known the mind of the Lord that may instruct him? He said, but you and I, what do we do? We have the mind of Christ. Now, this mind of Christ is an equipment that has been given to us to make this journey smooth for us, to make this journey livable. It's our internal operating system. So when you become a Christian, that's why the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be what? Transformed by the renewing of your mind. So when you get born again, it's instantaneous. Nothing has happened to your mind. But as you grow in Christ, what is growing? Your mind is being changed to now reason like Christ. Praise the Lord. Now, what does this mind of Christ do for us? It makes the journey easy. It makes it doable. Praise the Lord. Matthew eleven twenty-eight. Jesus said, come to me, all you who do what? Labor and are heavy laden. And you know what? That's where all of us are or where. You know, these things are not easy. We live in this world. These things are not easy. So Jesus says what? Come, come, come. Come to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. And what will I do? He says, I will give you rest. Now, that is a promise. The next verse tells us this is how I'm going to achieve it. What does the next verse do? 29 says to us, it says, take my yoke upon you. That's how I'm going to achieve it for you. Take my yoke. Now, what am I trying to remember? We're saying the same thing. If you're a Christian and you're not yoking yourself constantly to Christ, you are going to be heavy laden. You are going to be heavy laden. It will be weary. The journey will be weary. But you see, there is a liberty when you take the yoke of Christ. Say, take my yoke upon you and do it. He said, learn. Learn from me. Take my yoke and learn from me. It's liberating. Listen to me, young lady, you're not married. You don't have any other answer. It's only in Christ that you can have peace. If you look at that mirror and say, ah, but what don't I have that they have? Ah, that brother... Every time he's passing me, you are falling into the devil's trap. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God loves you. You're the apple of his eyes. But you know what? Take Jesus' yoke. Don't take the yoke of your environment. Don't take the measurement of the world around you. 
Why? Because Jesus has a plan. Jesus has a purpose. Jesus has a destiny. He says, I know the thoughts that I'm thinking towards you. There are thoughts of good and what? They are not of evil to bring you to a future, to an expected end. You must take his yoke. You must say to him, Lord, I want to learn from you. I want to follow your path. And he says, as you do this, 29 and 30 now says what? He says, for my what? Yoke is easy. That's where I'm going to. My yoke is easy. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. When we get this Christianity the way it's meant to be, it becomes easy. It becomes easy. I'm telling you, I'm speaking from my own personal experience. The moment I saw that God is the one who will make me, and God is the one who will determine how far I go, God is the one who will determine my reward, I threw my life into his hands, and I ceased to hear what people say. It's a liberating place. It's a place of liberty. It's a place of peace. Where he made me understand that nobody can love you like I love you. Nobody has a plan for you like I have for you. The Lord made me understand that from your life experience, the best you have done for yourself is not compared to the least that I have planned for you. Is somebody hearing me? These are the things you hear. And then he says to you, why look to the side and to the left to find approval and encouragement? I'm not saying people shouldn't encourage the others, but don't look to it. Look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. He's the one who has called you. He's the one who paid the full price for your redemption. And he's the only one who can reward you. Blessed be the name of of the Lord. Father, we give you praise. We bless you and we thank you. Thank you for this faith that you have committed into our hands. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Our Lord and our God, we lift our eyes to you, even in this time. And we say, revive us in your way. Revive us in your way. As many as are going through difficulties, Lord, we pray that they will take your yoke upon them. That will learn from you in the name of Jesus Christ. Our God speaking to us, the word of God speaking to us in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you except such as his word. Come on, come on. But God is faithful. Who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can bear? This is the word of God to you as you're listening to me. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 9 says, Resist him, talking about the enemy. He says, steadfast in the faith. He says, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your brethren. First Peter 5 9. All over the world, it's comforting to know on this journey that you're on, on this struggle that you're experiencing, that you are not alone. But know this that your salvation and your safety is to remain steadfast in the faith, knowing. That this thing is everywhere. And the same God is good to us all who call upon him. Father, we want to thank you. And bless you. And just honor you. That in this time, oh Lord, as your children look to you. As they pray to you. As they call upon you. Father, hear from heaven. Answer them, oh Lord. Do great and wonderful miracles on their behalf. Let them know the power of the prayer of a righteous man. Let them feel, O oh Lord, the love of the Father. 
Let them sense the proximity of the Holy Spirit. Let them know that you love them. And let them know that you will never leave nor forsake them. Thank you, Lord our God. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Praise the Lord. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ikenao Keke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden Center, Barnex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.com. God bless you.